Okay, I am recording this podcast right after, uh, well, I'm kind of in the midst of a really, really fun refactor. One of those refactors that's just been building for a while, something I've been thinking about in the back of my mind. No, I've known that the architecture is wrong uh, for this specific thing. And I've just been sitting with the problem, thinking about it, trying to come up with the, trying to understand the problem well enough, come up with the solution, yada, yada, yada. Finally did it. And I feel freaking great about it. And it's really, really, really improving the code base, like as we speak. So let me walk you through it because this is, uh, it's another one of those refactors like the ones, it actually looks almost exactly like the ones we've talked about before on here, where I started talking about like the hooks pattern, the uh, single file pattern, like all these things um, are all culminating for yet another refactor. So let me walk you through it. It's, uh, it's fairly simple. So Livewire, uh, you click a you click something on the front end, and instead of it just changing data and re-rendering the front end like Vue.js does, it goes back to the server and it changes the data, re-renders a template on the back end, comes back to the browser, changes the front end. Right. That's how Live View works. Phoenix Live View. That's how Livewire works. Uh, so the difference between Phoenix Live View and Livewire is that Phoenix Live View keeps a background instance running. So where in Vue.js, you have a component that's alive and it exists in the JavaScript runtime over time. In LiveView, there's a component that exists in the back end. So Phoenix uses WebSockets to connect to that component and you can make calls to it and all sorts of stuff. And that makes it really fast and it's great and yada, yada. LiveWire version 001 uh, worked exactly like that, but then I moved away from WebSockets and now LiveWire is stateless and uses AJAX requests to go back and forth. So there's no long running instance. Um, because of that, I have to hydrate and dehydrate LiveWire components on the back end. So every request that the browser makes, so you click a button in a LiveWire component, like you have wire click and then some action, it sends a request off to the server and says, hey, here's the ID of the component, here's the name of the component, here's the data the component has, and then a bunch of other stuff says build up that component from all this from this state because the front end stores the state build up the component from this state then run this action whatever you decided on the wire click then after dehydrate the component back into a json array of state that i can store because i'm the front end and i have a runtime so i can keep track of the state here and then the back end is completely stateless so that's kind of a fundamental how live wire works little explanation so i've I decided to explain it again because I know this is the kind of thing that seems um, obvious to me, but if you're not building Livewire, then you're probably not totally aware of how it works. So that's kind of the catch up. Okay. So in the back end, there's this concept of hydrating and dehydrating. But when I was programming it, like that concept was never really clear to me. Um, Like I said, it's been an evolution and I'm just sort of updating the code as I go. Um, So there's this, this kind of this file that I I actually like this file. It's one of the most powerful files in the whole system. It's called connection handler. And it's the thing that takes the incoming request from the browser and it builds up a live wire instance. It calls the the stuff on it. It gets the new render DOM and it sends it back out all in one method. Um, It calls to a couple different methods, but it's pretty tight. It's pretty clean. And it's, I like it because you can get a really good bird's eye view of the back end of live wire. Well, this class has been growing over time because features uh, get added and bugs get fixed and security holes get patched and all of those things. And th- and the easiest place uh, to add them oftentimes is right in this connection handler file. So it's starting to grow and there's lots of extra little bits and pieces added to it. 
So there was a pull request recently to, um, in LiveWire, protected properties. Tune tune this part out if you're not familiar with protected properties in LiveWire. But protected properties, everything else is dehydrated into JSON that gets passed back and forth in the front end and back end. But protected properties, because they're sensitive data, they get dehydrated into the back end cache uh, and then rehydrated out of the cache on every request. So it behaves differently than the rest of LiveWire. So somebody said, hey, I want to make a pull request so that I can opt into not caching protected properties and encrypting them and sending them with the payload to have a truly stateless LiveWire. So let's say you're using Vapor. Well, I guess Vapor has a cache um, built into it. Okay, well, say you just want to have a stateless LiveWire, then you could do that. Um, so they made the pull request. The pull request overwhelmed me. It's This is one of those difficult things um, I really appreciate. I get so many more GitHub issues than I do pull requests. So when I get a pull request, I, I want to be helpful and I want to work with it and pull it in. But it's honestly just a lot of mental overhead for code that I didn't write. So I have to pull it down. I have to read through the pull request. I have to understand what it's doing. Under And I not only just to, to say, okay, this works, we'll pull it in. Um, to understand how, what it's doing so that uh, enough that I can change it if it's not ideal. So I have to really, really understand the code so that I can see areas where, oh, you know what, maybe a better way to do it is this or that. And then I almost feel like I'm kind of rewriting the code. Um, I, I do really, really appreciate pull requests. If you're getting the wrong idea, that's that's not what I'm communicating. But there's a lot of mental overhead, so I'm pretty lazy with them. This one in particular, because it's so big, it touches a lot of files. And I realized that I was frustrated enough that I thought, okay, this is a good opportunity to make the change easy. So instead of putting my energy into understanding this pull request and making sh- and implementing it and making sure that it's right or wrong, whatever, I'll, I'll make the change easy. I'll refactor the code base so that a pull request like this will be not many changes to files, will be very brief. Um, then I'll you know, post back to the, the, the contributor and say, hey, I refactored the code base, take a look at it. You know, maybe I'll do the work of refactoring. I'll, whatever I do, I'll give him credit for the pull request. But but basically, it's a classic case of make the change easy, then make the easy change. And this is, as I've said a thousand times, maybe one of my favorite coding principles ever. Um, so I rolled up my sleeves and I decided to do it. And what emerged was pretty much the hook pattern that I described before, but in a little bit different way. So there's a backend lifecycle, and I pretty much described it to you. The backend lifecycle of a LiveWire component is it gets, uh, I'm going to have to map this out and put it in the doc somewhere. Like if you go to Vue.js docs, you can see the whole lifecycle of a Vue component. I'll need to map it out for everybody in the docs so that you can kind of understand. Um, but LiveWire is a little more complex because there's a front end lifecycle and a back end lifecycle for each component. And I've paid you know, attention to the front end lifecycle lately. And that's what all those episodes are about, about the hooks pattern and everything. But I haven't really paid attention to the back end lifecycle. So that's that's where this comes in. The change that I made was basically creating the process of uh, hydrating and dehydrating a component, like I described, where you go from a JSON payload from the browser and you basically create a component at the state it was the last time there was a request made and then dehydrate it. Okay, so I was doing functionality in different places, and basically the pattern that emerged was middleware. So I took a ton of functionality and put it into middleware. I created a little middleware system for hydrating and dehydrating a component. So here's how it works. I'm tr- I tried, this is how I, how I started the refactor. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but there's a lot of good nuggets in here. I started the refactor with my second favorite principle, 
maybe first, I don't know, whatever, another awesome design code, coding design principle um, designed by wishful thinking. This is something I, I really uh, learned from Adam Wathen, and I'm sure he learned it somewhere else. Design, you know, write the code that you want to use. So that's what I started. I started with just a file. I thought, okay, he's pull requesting this functionality. He should just have a file. He should be able to just pull request one file. So again, maybe another favorite principle is that I talked about is the single file principle. Um, he should be able to pull request this with one file that has two methods, hydrate and dehydrate. In the hydrate method, he has access to the unhydrated instance of the component and the whole request payload from the browser. In the dehydrate, he has access to the instance that's already been used and the response that goes back to the browser. And he can pull stuff out of the request and manipulate the instance, and then he can change the instance and change the response on the back end. So he gets a slice, it's a middleware. So I did that and I refactored a ton of functionality, a ton into these middlewares. And now they're well-named and they work like layers of an onion. So like it's an array of just classes that have these hydrate and dehydrate methods. And starting from top to bottom, they get the uh, instance and request gets passed through them and they can mutate the request and instance as you go through. And this is interesting because uh, I'm using, I'm leveraging mutability. And usually I try, any like good design in my mind is immutable. Like I generally tend towards immutability. But this is an example where with these middlewares, it's kind of beautiful. Like I can have them each mutate the things going through them um, and then mutate the things coming back out of them. And it works like a shell. I reverse the, the order when I'm dehydrating back up. Okay, we're at the end of the show. I hope you followed that and thought it was cool, but I'm super duper happy with this refactor. It abides by all the things I love. Keep more things the same. Uh, single file principle designed by wishful thinking and make the change easy, then make the easy change. Uh, so thanks for listening.